On the screen is the Chinese symbol for righteousness. We'll come back to the picture being painted by that here in just a moment. On the biblical calendar, we are between the three great feasts that take place at Passover or Easter. The Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits. And the one coming up here in a few weeks, that of Pentecost. In the Gospels, this would be during the 40 days Jesus spent with the disciples, showing them signs and wonders and miracles, of which John would say, if we wrote down everything about Jesus that we saw and heard, the world could not contain the books. Beginning at Pentecost, then here in a few weeks, is the promise, the Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Now, if you go back and consider what was taking place in the parallel time frame in the time of Moses, when the feast originally began, this would be the time Moses and the children of Israel have left Egypt. They are on their way to Mount Sinai, where they receive the Ten Commandments, and Moses receives more teaching about the law. Let's go back a few weeks, though, to what would begin that Passover or Holy Week, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Exodus 12, 15 says, You shall remove leaven from your house. Whoever eats leavened bread shall be cut off from Israel. During this feast, they were not to eat leavened bread. In fact, they were to remove it completely from their house. Leaven is yeast that causes the dough to rise and make bread look like it looks that we are familiar with today. Without leaven, you would just have a flat wafer. Practically, the reason they were not to eat leaven during this feast is because they were getting ready to leave Egypt. So there was anticipation. There was no time to cook a full meal. So they just quickly were to make this wafer, not wait until the bread would rise, which would take time if they used yeast. Now, spiritual picture, though, is much deeper than that. Jesus himself would talk about leaven meaning a symbol for sin, not eating it in and of itself, but it was a picture of leaven that would permeate our life. In fact, Paul, 1 Corinthians 5, says a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. The spiritual picture is leaven represents sin. Just like yeast can taste very good, leaven picturing that sin itself sometimes feels very good. But yeast, given a short period of time, eventually begins to mold. Picture again, spiritually, sin may feel good at some points, but it brings corruption. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Just like the yeast will mold, sin brings corruption. A little leaven permeates our whole life. And so the idea here is to think about what is some leaven in your life, leaven in my life, that needs to be removed. Perhaps it's sin. Maybe it's a a toxic relationship. Maybe it's an unhealthy habit. Maybe it's things like laziness. But what is it that needs to exit your life, needs to exit my life? That's the picture Levin paints for us to remove it from our, our life. Not for a day in the year, but every day to say, Lord, I want the leaven to be out of my life. Daniel Webster Secretary of State in the 1800s was speaking to other heads of state, some presidents, taking questions, a brilliant man. He was asked, what is the most profound thought that has ever entered your mind? 
And Daniel Webster responded, the most important thought I ever had was of my individual responsibility to God. He got choked up and had to leave the room, and he came back then minutes later, and then for the next 30 minutes talked about faith and his own individual responsibility to be faithful to God. So it is for us to stop and say, I want the leaven to be out of my life and to daily think about my individual responsibility before God. Now, let's be honest. There are people all across the world, all across the country. They will enter church this morning, and by the time they reach the parking lot, forget most of what they have heard. They'll be distracted by lunch or even uh, arguments sometimes with family members, whatever it might be. How do you get the learning to really stick in your life? That's why we say you can't be a hearer. You have to become a doer. When you become a doer and take action, not this week, but today, and even here right now, that's when learning gets down into your heart and becomes a a part of you that you don't forget. Joseph McClendon shares about, consider if you have an infant and it begins to speak its first word, it says mama or dada. They don't correct that child and say, it's, it's mother or it's father. Rather, that child is celebrated, rewarded for the effort. And that then compels them to take more action. And they're rewarded and they take more action. And in that process of taking more action, it's not just something intellectual. It's something then physical in their body that they are taking in this learning into their nervous system. That's why they grow so fast in their just genius understanding of life and curiosity. Your nervous system is the most intelligent part of your life. That's what regulates your metabolism, controls your heart rate, you know, it is controlling all the organs, your digestion. So when you take action rather than sitting passively and just taking mental note and thinking, well, interesting scripture, inspiring story, when rather you say, here's the action I'm going to take and follow through on that, That's when learning becomes part of your nervous system and you don't forget it. So here, right now, in this moment, quietly in your heart, what is the leaven that needs to be removed from your life today? What is the leaven that needs to be removed from your life today? What needs to exit your life and commit right now in your own thoughts and prayers? Here's how I'm going to stand by this commitment and this is going to be out of my life. Chuck Sly, 1979, went to the doctor, given a a grave report. The doctor gave him six months to live, said he had a very aggressive cancer. Chuck Sly is very healthy today, but here's what he said happened. For six weeks, I was glued to God's word. It was in that time God made me long for heaven a longing I have never lost. Now, at the end of that six weeks, he sought out some other people, learned about what's known as Gershon therapy, and it's a natural therapy that includes a a lot of toxic cleanses out of your system. It includes a lot of juices and fruits and vegetables. It's not an easy process. He would say himself, it was very difficult, but in the end, his body healed itself along with that treatment with his prayers and faith. But going back to that time, he shares this. In those moments, I studied God's word 
God himself became so real and personal to me. I still have that Bible today. I read it and I remember when I see a note in the margin that says, claimed on such and such a date, 1979. You see, that's more than just intellectual head knowledge. Taking out the Bible, finding a verse, writing next to it, I claim that for my life today, beginning to confess that and pray that, memorize that. That's when the learning gets down into your nervous system and becomes a a part of then who you are, something you don't forget. What are some verses you could find this week? Write down as well. Here's what's exiting my life, the leaven. And here's the verse I'm claiming, and I'm going to speak it and confess it and follow its direction. Again, it's about being the few who do versus the many who talk. Walt Disney was rejected by 302 banks. Now, let's be honest. Who would have kept trying after being rejected by 10 banks? Who would continue to try after 50 banks? Nobody at 100. Who would go to 200, 300 and still keep trying? In 302, he got the loan to pursue his dream, and that's why his name is known around the world. Again, it's about being a part of the few who do versus the many who simply talk. We can be sure back in Israel, while they were in Egypt taking out the the bread in their house, the Egyptians probably walked by and saw that, probably teased them, thought it strange. Why are you taking the bread out? That's the best part of the meal. But for those that listened, they would have gotten a spiritual lesson. And had been told, well, this bread this week represents sin and we're taking it out of our life symbolically by literally removing this yeast from our house and symbolically from our hearts, the sin that so easily ensnares. We are told in Exodus 12, 38, a mixed multitude went with Moses and the Israelites. Perhaps some of the Egyptians had enough curiosity to really ask the spiritual lesson. Probably most of that mixed multitude were other slaves from other nations that enjoyed their freedom when Moses then took the people of Israel out of Egypt. Either way, again, it's important to remember Dale Carnegie said it so well, all men have fears, but the brave put down their fears and go forward, sometimes to death, but always to victory. It's in the stepping forward, taking the action, That's where the victory is gained because there's no failure when you learn a lesson in the process and growth takes place. What is the leaven that needs to exit your life? Jeff Streit did a, a fascinating article about King Tut and his father. His father was Amenhotep and Amenhotep was known as a heretic because he got rid of the hundreds of gods Egyptians worshipped and said there is one true God. This made him very unpopular. In fact, when he died, the people reinstituted the worship of all these hundreds of false gods and tried to erase Amenhotep's memory. Jeff Streit writes this, The interesting thing is Amenhotep should not have become Pharaoh. The throne should have gone to his brother, the firstborn Tutmos. But Tutmos died 
mysteriously, and history doesn't record how or why. He continues, I'm convinced Tutmos was the firstborn son of the Pharaoh of Exodus. At Passover, the firstborn sons of Egypt died. Thus, Tutmos died. Amenhotep lived. And the lesson of Egypt's humiliation at the hand of the God of Moses was not lost on him. All the hundreds of gods of Egypt could not save them from the power of the one true God that Moses served. Thus, Amenhotep threw away all those gods and turned his heart to the true God, abandoning hundreds of years of history of Egyptian religion. Fascinating. Amenhotep learned the lesson his father, the Pharaoh, did not. Pharaohs who, whose heart was so hard, he continued to refuse Moses' plea to let my people go. After unleavened bread, though, is the next part we all know well. Exodus 12, 3. Every man shall take for himself a lamb. The spiritual lesson is clear. Each of us must choose ourselves to follow Christ. As Jim Rohn said so well, no one can do your push-ups for you. Each of us has to take that individual responsibility as Webster talked about. Moses says that the lamb shall be without blemish. The spiritual picture is clear. In fact, Peter himself in 1 Peter says, you were redeemed from the empty way of life. What a description of sin. You were redeemed from the empty way of life. And he says, how? With the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. No question what's being done here. They're preparing to eat the meal. They're going to have the, the wafer and they're going to have then the, the lamb. And each family then took the lamb, each one responsible to take of the lamb. It's to be a lamb without blemish, representing a sacrifice. And we know the rest of that Passover picture. We'll see it here just in a moment. John Maxwell shares about a, a song leader named Steve, and he writes this. Whenever I would see Steve, I'd say, how's it going, Steve? His response was always the same. He'd say, God is still on the throne. He was almost always happy and on top of things. One day he came in discouraged, and when I asked, how's it going, Steve? He replied, not good. I don't know why I said it, but without thinking, I just said, remember, God is still on the throne. Steve smiled sheepishly at me, straightened up and said, you are right. God is still on the throne. The Exodus story pointing to the Passover in Christ is the ultimate picture that he reigns. He is on the throne. As Lester Roloff said so well, don't fret in your valleys, farm them. Don't fret in your valleys, farm them. Passover is a remembrance of victory over Egypt, which represents sin and the world. It's a ceremony and a celebration and a meal and a wonderful picture to remember. Just as Moses brought the people out of Egypt to the promised land, Christ has brought us out of sin into the kingdom of heaven. So don't fret in the valley. Learn to farm the valley. The difficulties in life, what is the lesson that you can take and learn from that? What is the lesson that you can cultivate in the valleys in life to say, you know what? No matter what I face, Christ, the lamb without blemish, has redeemed my life so I can face all things. 
two questions that you can ask and answer again in this moment. The first one, what has been one of the toughest times in your life that you have got through? What has been one of the toughest times in your life that you have got through? And as you think of that, second question, how is your life better today because you went through that crisis? How is your life better today because you went through that crisis? Don't fret in the valleys. Farm them. Passover is about the ultimate victory over the the darkest valley. Exodus 12 reminds us, verse 11, Thus shall you eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. You shall eat in haste. The spiritual picture is one of anticipation, a readiness to enter into the life Christ offers and quickly leave behind the life of leaven and sin. Perhaps the most important part, one of the most important verses in Scripture is Exodus 12, 22, where the people were told, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood of the lamb in the basin, strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. What were they to do? They took blood from the lamb, put it on the doorpost first, the lintel, the top part, then on the sides, it was painting an image of a cross itself. But notice the important word there, you are to strike the doorpost. The hyssop was a plant, basically like a paintbrush. They weren't painting that blood. They were striking the doorpost with that, representing what was going to happen at Calvary when a nail would be pounded into the hands and feet of Christ. The image again, we each strike that doorpost because the image again is each of us, our sin nailed him to the cross where he willingly laid down his life to take it back up again so that we bear our sins no more. Leading us to verse 23, where we close, and the Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come to your house to strike you. Why does he pass over the door? Ever and always, the message is the same when he sees the blood. He sees the promise of Christ that you have received it, I have received it, we have chosen the Lamb. When he sees the blood, judgment passes over. Not when he sees your goodness, your religion, any other thing, simply when he sees the blood. Hebrews says it, by one offering Christ perfected forever them that are sanctified. By one offering his perfect life laid down for you, for me, his blood washes away our sins that we are white as snow. That's why, again, it's the celebration of the feasts, spiritually, in our life, bringing us back to this image, the Chinese symbol for righteousness. Missionaries were struggling to find a way to share the gospel with people in China. One missionary sat down, he studied these images And he was particularly drawn to the one that represents righteousness. He asked some people what it meant, and they said it's made up of two other symbols 
lamb and the symbol for me. And he asked, well, why is that? The people did not know. And he said, so the symbol for righteousness is made up of the lamb and the symbol for me. They said, yes. He said, that's fascinating. In fact, he says the symbol that represents the lamb is the top part of the symbol for righteousness. So he said, in reality, the symbol for righteousness is the lamb over me. And they said, yes. And he said, that's the picture I've been trying to paint as I've been trying to share this gospel. Your righteousness is only because of the lamb over your life. And the people said, which lamb? And the door was wide open. And the missionaries began to say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Lamb, He is your righteousness. And now an entire nation being changed. The Lamb over you, over me, is our righteousness. 